Welcome to The Paleo View. I'm bestselling author and co-creator of realeverything.com, Stacey Toth. I focus on being healthy inside and out through real life, food, and talk. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times bestselling author and creator of thepaleomom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Welcome back, listeners. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Stacy. Dare, dare I ask? I was going to ask how you are, but I'm, I'm a little bit afraid that you might answer honestly. <laughs> no, I'm good. Um, for those people who saw my brief share in social media, um, just on Insta stories, I had like an emergency room visit this weekend, but all good news, according to the doctor, because they can't find anything wrong with me. Um, and then shortly thereafter, I came down with what was just a bug, probably a stomach situation. <laughs> you know how I feel about talking about those details. Mm-hmm. So we'll just move right along and tell you that um, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. I, um, I'm actually excited and think not only does it tie in really well to talk about vitamin D because it's the unofficial start of summer um, mm-hmm. this week, but also because I've been having these digestive issues of late, essentially ever since we came back from our trip. And I got gluten several times between the trip and after. And so I'm also um, personally going to take the food sensitivity and vitamin D slash inflammation test that Everlywell does to see if I can find anything else that's going on. Like I've had the big tests from, you know, CT scans and stuff like that at this point, they can't find like big doctory scary stuff. And so now it's a matter of uh, diving in a little more deep to figure out what else could be going on. It could just be, as you and I discussed, residuals of gluten exposure. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm a little like, hmm, (laughs) let's just going to test a few things myself and see if maybe I can do a little detective work. So this is our first time ever having a show sponsored by Everlywell. And we'll talk a little bit about them later. But I think it's perfect timing for me personally. Love how these things work out. <laughs> um, and just want to thank Everly for Everly Well for sponsoring the show. If you haven't heard of them and you want to check them out yourself, you can get 15% off with code the paleo view by going to everlywell.com slash the paleo view. And um, there's a whole lot of tests. Matt and I, once we were on the site, we we're like, well, I can't even choose. So, uh, but we'll talk about we'll talk about like, them later. It's like being at Disney and I don't know what ride to go on first, except that it's home medical tests. Hundred percent. You just <laughs> made that sound like way more fun than it probably will be. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, there's it's scary to um, look into these things for yourself because of what you might find, but also knowledge is power. That's what Reading Rainbow taught me um, many, many years ago. So I'm applying that to my adult life. Um, I'm, I'm glad you said knowledge is power because I was actually going to correct you and basically say, I, I actually find this type of information very empowering. And one of the things that I... Uh, so I I really love Everly Well. They basically 
search for the labs that have the best quality of each kind of test, and then they facilitate all of their different testing goes through them to go to the best lab and then go, you know, get the results to you really, really quickly. And a lot of their tests are blood spot tests, right? So where you might have to go, if you got that test ordered by a doctor, you might have to do a full blood draw. The Everlywell will have the blood spot version where you just prick your finger and dab your finger onto a piece of paper. Some of them are saliva tests. Some of them are urine tests. They've got the whole the whole kit and caboodle. They take data super seriously. Everything is uh, private. Uh, everything's processed through certified labs. Um, but I think that what I think is so empowering, beyond the fact that I was telling you before we started um, the podcast, was that it's actually less expensive for me to order vitamin D through Everlywell as a test than it is to go through my provider because my copay is actually higher than Everly Well charges for their vitamin D test. But a lot of this testing is stuff that a conventional doctor might not be interested in doing. So a lot of it is like the type of testing you would get done by a functional medicine provider. But if that's not accessible to you, um, like Everly Well is like the at-home version, but I do kind of want to like take a step back and caution people from like, you'll get a really detailed lab report with your results. Um, but I do want to sort of caution people to not self-diagnose based on lab test results. You can take those test results to a doctor and have them provide you with like an actual official medical opinion. Just just kind of wanted to throw that in there right off the bat before we get into the weeds of vitamin D. I would also plug our doctory show um, where we talked about the differences in types of doctors. So if you're not getting what you're looking for, I also recently shared about my lovely experience with the medical community this week. Um, if you're not getting what you're looking for out of the doctor that you're using, we go into the detail of different kinds of doctors and advocating for yourself and all kinds of stuff in that show. And it would be good to take these results to, for example, a functional medical doctor who mm -hmm. um, could dive a little more deep than maybe a mainstream doctor might be able to do on a detailed thyroid test, for example. So, um, But let's talk about Vitamin D. I'm, I'm excited because as often as you talk about uh, self-testing vitamin D, and I know that you take supplements, your family does, mm -hmm. we do not. And I'm sure that we're deficient in it, but I'm like, I do not have the capacity to go and deal with a doctor regularly to get that tested. So I'm personally yep. taking the test and I'm excited about the results. And I think that it's important that we talk about why this is so important, the science of it, because we mm -hmm. you talk about it all the time. And I, I don't think that we've really done a good deep dive into it. I talk about it all the time in, in that like really snobby way where I assume that everyone knows that they all know what I'm talking <laughs> about. And like, I just assume that like, of course, everyone tests their vitamin D every three months and then supplements accordingly. And your podcast um, partner is like shaking her head <laughs> left to right on the other side, but you can't see her because it's not a video podcast. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that's a really great segue into talking about why vitamin D is so important is to emphasize that there are estimates that as much as 75% 75 of people living in Western countries are deficient in vitamin D. And that is because... In our wonderful, technologically advanced lives, we grow our food indoors. So the normal sort of meat that we would be eating 
doesn't have very much vitamin D in the meat. Uh, we're not eating as much seafood as hunter-gatherer populations would have, especially those living near coastal areas. Um, and we're not spending time outside. So we are basically not consuming enough vitamin D from the diet. It's actually incredibly challenging to consume enough vitamin D from food sources, period. We're not spending enough time outside to make our own vitamin D. And there's all of these different things that can interfere with, with vitamin D synthesis. So it's not just a question of like getting sun exposure without layers and layers of sunscreen. It's also uh, the challenge of if you're inflamed, that inhibits vitamin D production. If you're um, overweight, some of the hormones that are linked to to um, weight gain interfere with, with vitamin D production. Fructose consumption, high fructose consumption can interfere with vitamin D. So that's, you know, not probably as relevant to our listeners as it is to the average Westerner who's maybe drinking high fructose corn syrup sweetened beverages. But it's it's a really important thing, I think, to understand that Vitamin D deficiency is rampant. It's rampant not just in the standard American diet cons consumer person, but also in our community. And once you're deficient in vitamin D, you basically, there's no amount of like sunbathing and fresh seafood eating typically that will help restore those levels. It really is something that requires supplements. And this is, in fact, the one exception that I have to the whole food rule. So I, right, I typically don't support supplementation with the exception of like targeted supplementation after testing, uh, you know, under the supervision of a healthcare provider. Um, I would generally far prefer that the goal with our diet be nutrient sufficiency, that we get all of the nutrients that our bodies need from food and that we're choosing whole food, nutrient dense foods. Vitamin D is really different. Um, and as we get into the science, it'll be really obvious very quickly why it is different from other nutrients. And because of that, and because of how detrimental deficiency is and how common it is, this really becomes a, a very obvious test and supplement uh, message. And it really is it's my one exception to get everything we need from food is, is vitamin D. I love that you also touched on it in food. And for those people who are trying to be as nutrient sufficient as possible to reduce the amount of additional supplementation that you need, um, there are some foods that are higher in vitamin D and in particular, your meat being free range, so open pasture with sunlight, um, is going to give you the, the best option for that. And I know I talked about it in Beyond Bacon because pig fat is one of the highest sources of vitamin D if they're truly in the sun soaking that up. So I'm glad you touched on that. And, you know, for a really long time, we used lard as our main cooking fat. And, um, you know, we're going to talk about some of the mechanisms, but I was always like, oh, we're fair-skinned. We just need a few minutes and we're fine. But I'm sure that's not the case. So we'll mm -hmm. test and we'll supplement and we'll get into the reasons of why this is a, a good idea for our family to be able to do on our, our own and look into. And, you know, one, one more of those um, health things that we like to talk about when it comes to, you know, looking at your overall health. This is not something that we're asking. If this is your first time listening to the show, we're 
we're not in the business of telling you to make like a wholesale change and do everything yourself and start to do home vitamin D testing yourself on day one in addition to all the other things that we talk about from a healthy lifestyle perspective. I think this for me is one of those things that I've kind of put on the, okay, when I'm ready to take on the next step, this will be something that I do. Um, so while it can have significant impact, and we're going to talk about that and um, the the reason why it's so important, I I also feel like, you know, working with a doctor to get this right and that kind of stuff is, is super important, but it's also not, yeah, it's important. It's just also not like, I don't know. I just don't want to overwhelm people. You know what I mean? Like, I I Mm. feel like if you told me this on day one, I would have taken four steps back and been like, yeah, no, I can't take that on. You know, Uh, I hear what you're saying, um, but I actually knowing, understanding the system as well as I do, I would actually put this extremely high up on the list of secondary things. I would say that testing vitamin D, I would, I would put as say more important than addressing the um, chemicals and the cleaners in your home, for example, because of how, how vitamin D works in the body. So I would actually put this as a, like, yes, figure out, figure out how to, you know, change the foods you're eating, figure out the food thing, figure out how to get more sleep and how to be active and start taking steps towards managing stress. But I would put this as like the very next thing to tackle, which is why it's a little bit silly that it's taken us this long to dedicate an entire show (laughs) to vitamin D. Um, But let me explain what vitamin D does. And then I think my uh, putting vitamin D at, at that sort of level in terms of priorities will make a lot more sense. Yeah, no, I think that's super helpful because I wouldn't have, even with every show that I've done with you for six years, known that that's how high you put it. So I'm mm-hmm. excited. Give me the science. So vitamin D is not just a vitamin. I think that is the, the, the most important thing to understand about vitamin D is that it's actually a hormone. So it, it's, and it's a steroid hormone like cortisol or testosterone or estrogen. So that means that it has a cholesterol backbone. Uh, normally vitamin D, we get a little bit from our diet, but most of it is synthesized uh, by our skin cells from cholesterol using uh, UVB energy from the sun to drive that formation. So uh, we need UV radiation from the sun for this particular um, uh, vitamin synthesis, but it's it's much, much, much more important in the body. So a lot of other vitamins in the body, just to give perspective, right, they're often used as what are called cofactors. So they're used to help facilitate some type of um, of chemical reactions. So for example, a lot of B vitamins are used in what's called cellular respiration, which is the production of adenosine triphosphate or ATP, which is the cellular energy molecule. So that's, we take glucose and we convert it into ATP. ATP is actually the energy that drives any chemical reaction in the body that requires an energy input to occur. So um, so a lot of B vitamins are used in that cycle and are used up. That's why we need to keep consuming B vitamins. But vitamin D as a hormone has this whole other side to its function. It actually binds with receptors 
and causes signaling. So it actually causes communication between different systems in the body. It can do, for example, turn on or off more than 200 different genes. So it is controlling more than 200 different pathways in the body um, that translates to having really important functions in like obviously uh, mineral metabolism. So that has to do with like bone mineralization, bone growth, right? So we understand that when you're severely vitamin D deficient, uh, rickets is characterized by that sort of bow-legged, right? So that comes from soft bones so that the femur bones are curving. That is what causes that very stereotypical symptom of severe vitamin D deficiency. Um, but also vitamin D is important for the creation, the biosynthesis of neurotropic factors. So those are things like neurotransmitters, things that are controlling um, mood, memory, thought process, the reward system. Um, like basically it's, it's fundamental to how the brain is working. It's one of the reasons why Things like brain fog, memory problems are common symptoms of vitamin D insufficiency. Uh, vitamin D regulates nearly every, as a hormone, all of our hormone systems have crosstalk. So our thyroid talks to our adrenals, talks to our pancreas, right? The insulin system talks to um, a lot of neurotransmitters are also hormones in the brain, right? So they all talk to each other. That is our main uh, long distance communication um, system in the body is the endocrine system. Hormones are produced by one gland, they go throughout the body and bind with receptors and send signals that control pretty much everything. So they all crosstalk. So vitamin D as a hormone is crosstalking with all of these other systems. It's um, important for regulating cell division and cell survival. It's one of the reasons why vitamin D deficiencies associated with increased risk of cancer. Uh, it is fundamental to regulating circadian rhythms. That's one of the reasons why sleep deficiency is associated uh, or sleep problems are associated with vitamin D deficiency. It is fundamental to how the immune system works. So it regulates uh, critical aspects of the immune systems. So vitamin D regulates the formation of antioxidants, which are produced by the immune system to protect against oxidative damage. Um, it regulates the activity of um, most of the types of cells in both the innate and adaptive immune systems. So the sort of sentinel cells that are hanging out in every single tissue waiting for something bad to come along to activate the immune system. Vitamin D regulates the activity of those cells, as well as the like middle management cells that are regulating the entire immune system, uh, T cells and B cells. Um, it's regulating your, you know, B cells are your cells that produce antibodies. Um, it's regulating the cells that are involved in attacking foreign invaders, detecting cancerous cells, detecting uh, infected cells and, and killing infected cells. So pretty much uh, every important function of the immune system is regulated by vitamin D. And very, very relevant for people with autoimmune disease is the regulatory aspects of the immune system. So the part of the immune system whose job it is is to constrain the entire system, turn off the immune system when the you know virus is vanquished. That part of the immune system is dependent on vitamin D. Uh, it's the first part of the immune system to break down when we're vitamin D deficient, which is why vitamin D deficiency is inflammatory. So the immune system is completely controlled 
by, by vitamin D. So vitamin D deficiency basically causes uh, increased susceptibility to infection. That's why it's linked with cancer, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, obesity, uh, autoimmune disease, uh, kidney disease, right? And pretty much every osteoporosis that also has to do with bone mineralization. That's why vitamin D deficiency is linked with all of those chronic illnesses. And then what's been really interesting for me more recently, I've been getting into um, the research looking at vitamin D and gut health. So it's been known for a very, very long time that vitamin D is uh, responsible for um, regulating the integrity of barrier, t barrier tissues. So that means the gut barrier, but also the skin barrier and the blood-brain barrier and the lung barrier, right? So we have a lot of tissues in our body that are basically a barrier between what's inside the body and what's outside the body. And the gut barrier is one such barrier. Vitamin D deficiency causes increased intestinal permeability. So vitamin D deficiency causes leaky gut, and it exaggerates uh, how leaky your gut gets um, in response to an infection. So if you're vitamin D deficient and you get some kind of GI norovirus, some kind of uh, GI infection, you'll huh? have... Who are you talking about? Mm -hmm. I'm just... I can um... feel you pointing your mm -hmm. finger at me. It's There's no pointing. That's rude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it... It uh, and these notes were put together long before your recent <laughs> your visit. It's cool. Um, it's cool. You can use me as a really good example. <laughs> I'm interested to know what your vitamin D status is. Um, so vitamin D is fundamental to the gut barrier as well as all other barriers in the in the human body, right? So vitamin D deficiency is also associated with eczema, for example, because eczema is a failure of the skin barrier. It's basically like leaky skin. So that is all super well established, you know, hundreds of studies going back decades or thousands of studies going back decades. Um, what's really interesting to me as a person who's been diving deep into gut microbiome research is that there's also fairly new research showing that the composition of our gut microbiome is sensitive to our vitamin D status. And that is fascinating. So it's a really new idea that our gut microbiome is shaped by our hormones. So it's not just vitamin D. This is how stress impacts uh, the composition of our gut microbiome. Um, this is where things like um, uh, high estrogen can impact the shape of our gut microbiome. So our, our gut bacteria are sensitive to our hormone environment. But vitamin D, actually, if you're deficient, it leads to this pretty dramatic shift towards pathogenic bacteria. So basically, just vitamin D deficiency by itself causes gut dysbiosis. And there's a number of studies now that show that um, either supplementation, so not even getting vitamin D back up to normal, but just providing additional vitamin D can restore levels of probiotic bacteria. Um, there's also evidence that supplementing, and this is like on our way to getting vitamin D to normal, can dramatically increase microbial diversity, which is one of the most important aspects of a healthy gut microbiome. And of course, as I start to get into this research that looks at the link between the gut microbiome and the composition of the gut microbiome and the activity of the gut microbiome and basically every potential system in the body, every cell in the body, every um, you know possible chronic illness diagnosis, 
and then you look at vitamin D through the gut microbiome, it like suddenly becomes even more obviously important that vitamin D is basically a linchpin. So we have certain linchpins in our health, right? So certain things that if we can get this one thing dialed in, all of these other things kind of fall into place, right? So uh, managing stress, keeping cortisol well-managed is a linchpin. Um, Regulating insulin sensitivity is a linchpin. So if you can keep your insulin sensitivity and keep your insulin well-regulated, Uh, That impacts sex hormones and thyroid hormones and stress hormones. If you can keep your stress well-regulated, that, again, right, that impacts um, sex hormone production, that impacts insulin sensitivity. All of these systems talk to each other. And we've got these certain key, what I've been starting to refer to as super hormones, like insulin and cortisol, that have multiple roles in the human body, Um, right? So insulin, we talked about in a previous show, does so much more than just shuttle glucose into cells, right? It is doing things like regulating the conversion or the activity of the enzyme that converts pro-thyroid hormone into active thyroid hormone, right? It's regulating the cells that are responsible for bone mineralization. Vitamin D is another super hormone where its roles in the human body are so diverse that if you can get vitamin D dialed in, it's one of those hormones that then tends to make sort of all of the pieces fall into place. And given the prevalence of vitamin D deficiency and how challenging it is even when you are basically doing everything right. If you are still living within current society, um, getting enough vitamin D naturally for most of us is is a huge challenge. And so um, given all of these different rules and the fact that vitamin D impacts other linchpins, right? I would call the, the gut microbiome another linchpin. Um, it makes sense to me. This is why I put vitamin D on this uh, sort of, I would say like it gets the the top pedestal in the troubleshooting um, um, bracket, right? So if we are, I think it's, you know, obviously the place to start is to understand healthy diet, to understand lifestyle priorities and start working on implementing those. But then testing vitamin D, I think is something that we should all do. I, I really think that testing at least once um, to, I mean, even if it's just to confirm that your vitamin D level is normal and you can just keep on keeping on uh, because certainly there are people whose vitamin D will be normal with the amount of, um, you know, vitamin D that they get from diet and sun exposure. Um, Awesome. If that's you. But as you mentioned, Stacey, at the top of the show, my whole family supplements with vitamin D. We've all been diagnosed as deficient. We've all done testing We've all been deficient. And even in the summertime with my kids outside for four or five hours a day during summer break, that is not enough for them to restore their vitamin D. We can decrease their supplementation over the summer, but we can't discontinue it. Otherwise, over that period of time, their vitamin D starts to slide. So I think it would be really great to sort of talk about sun exposure and diet and where we get these natural sources of vitamin D. And then we can kind of jump into testing and supplementation. Make sense? I'm, I'm here for it. So um, how much su- vitamin D we produce um, in response to sun exposure depends on a whole lot of factors. So I already mentioned things that can hi- inhibit vitamin D production. Let's just look at some basic guidelines in terms of 
uh, let's say somebody who's perfectly healthy and they're converting cholesterol into vitamin D optimally in response to sun exposure. Then it still depends on your latitude, so how strong the sun is, the time of year, whether or not there's clouds, what time of day you're out, and how much of your skin is exposed. And so if you uh, were in an optimal situation, you were wearing close to nothing, uh, you lived somewhere with great sunny days and high sun exposure. It's the summer in San Diego, which obviously is like the best place to be in the summer because it's like the perfect weather there. Um, and you're going to be an optimally optimal producer of vitamin D. You have almost all of your skin exposed. You're going to be able to probably uh, synthesize adequate levels of vitamin D in about seven minutes. But let's say... You are um, seven minutes lying down, sunbathing, seven minutes of sunbathing, because your position, your body position also changes how the sun is hitting your skin. So if you're standing in San Diego, um, it's, that's going to be, a, again, like a different situation. So you're, you're pretty much going to require four to five times more time out in the sun if you're standing, if you're working, if you're walking around compared to lying down. If you live somewhere that is like, if you live farther north, let's, let's consider a sunny day in Seattle. So um, they do have sunny days from time to time. Um, you are looking at, um, if you are uh, out in that, in that type of um, sun, you're, you're looking at still, if you're wearing basically, if you're, if you're basically just streaking the neighborhood, you're still looking at somewhere between 30 minutes and an hour and a half every single day in the middle of the day, in the summer, on a sunny day to get enough vitamin D. And the time then extends quite dramatically based on how much we're covering up. So for example, if you were out in Seattle in the summer, uh, walking around, but you were wearing, say, short sleeves and pants, which would be, I think, typical, <laughs> typical uh, clothing for a summer Seattle day. You are now looking at four hours out in the sun if you're healthy um, to get enough or to synthesize enough vitamin D. Um, the older you are, the less efficient your vitamin D synthesis is. The younger you are, the better off you are. I'm assuming. Um, again, I'm assuming that is part of osteoporosis as well, because you're uh, talking about bone softening and. Yeah, so it's one of the reasons why the risk of osteoporosis increases with age. Mm. It's also one of the reasons why the risk of, you know, diabetes, uh, cardiovascular disease, cancer, because these things all feed in with vitamin D. There's obviously these are all complicated conditions. They're not simply caused by vitamin D insufficiency. There's more that goes into them, but this is one of the things that is contributing to increased risk is the fact that we tend to have our vitamin D levels fall off as we age. And that doesn't mean that we need less. Um, we're making less, but we, we need more. Um, and so it means that there's a more impetus on us to either start adopting these types of, um, these types of lifestyle 
uh, goals where we're spending this kind of time outside. And this is also for fair skin. So Stacey, you're right that if you have fair skin, you tend to um, be more efficient at uh, converting vitamin D. And that's because the UV radiation is blocked by melanin in the skin, which is the pigment that makes skin dark. So uh, somebody, say, of African descent will have a lot of melanin in their skin, but also melanin is what is the the protein in your skin that is a suntan. So the more tan you are or the more naturally dark-skinned you are, the less efficient you are at making vitamin D. So then you need to spend even more time outside to make the same amount of vitamin D. I like the um, chart that you gave that shows in Seattle for 10 months out of the year when you're just showing your hands and face, you would need 504 minutes outside to get (laughs) adequate vitamin D. Like eight hours almost. (sighs) Yeah, I don't think that's happening in December. I'm just just a thought that I'm having. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I think that um, this is a, a really important thing to emphasize. So if you look at hunter gatherers, they were outside pretty much all day. I mean, they would spend the the hottest parts of the day in the shade. Um, but they also would have had much more skin exposed, right? And so if you look at that sort of ancestral template, like obviously they're going to be getting enough vitamin D. They obviously never had to worry about vitamin D deficiency. But when as soon as you put in um, the UV coating now that's on car windows, right? Um, House window, like if you're in an old house, there's no UV coating on your windows if you have the old original windows to your house. But if you have put in new windows in the last 20 years, if you have a house that's less than 20 years old or an apartment building, there's UV coating on the windows. And that's to stop your like furniture from sun bleaching, right? And it's energy efficient. There's benefits to that. But it means that even indoors, there, there isn't UV wavelengths um, that we're getting exposed to, even if we're sitting in a window anymore, um, even if we're sitting in our car, um, if definitely if we're working in an office building. So given that we're spending more time indoors than we ever have in human history, and that there's not even the small amounts of UV radiation getting indoors that would have 50 years ago, um, this is the biggest the biggest reason why we're so vitamin D deficient as a society. The other aspect is um, that food, um, while there are some fairly good sources of vitamin D in food, um, it's it's wholly inadequate generally. So vitamin D is measured um, by a measurement called IU, which stands for international units. It's like, super, super scientific. Um, About 40 international units is equivalent to one microgram. Um, But if you're taking a supplement or if you're getting vitamin D from food, the measurement you're going to see is uh, international units. And while the RDA is something like 400, 600, it's, that's not like, that is an RDA that is completely dissociated from actual need for vitamin D. Um, I don't even understand how someone came up with such a low number. But um, even some of the 
like highest vitamin D content foods. So um, uh, wild fish is the highest vitamin D food and then pastured, uh, pasture raised meat would be second. Um, so salmon, high fat fish, cause vitamin D is a fat soluble vitamin. Um, if you had like wild fish, a serving size, which is three and a half to four ounces would have between like 600 and a thousand I use vitamin D. Um, so the, it sounds on the surface of like, Oh, if I just eat, uh, some fish every single day, I'll hit my RDA of vitamin D, but that RDA vitamin D assumes that dietary vitamin D is not that important. That is, that is why that, that, um, amount is so low to compare and contrast a therapeutic dose of vitamin D from a supplement is typically anywhere between 5,000 and 50,000 IU. Um, 50,000 is usually done as a bolus every few days, but 5,000 as a daily dose would be fairly standard. And I'm not in any way suggesting that anybody order their Everly Well test, find out they're, they're vitamin D deficient, and just start taking 5,000 IUs of vitamin D a day. I think that is something that absolutely needs to be discussed with a healthcare provider. But that is something to expect a healthcare provider to recommend. So if you start thinking about 5,000 IUs a day, that's how much I need to take to maintain uh, a healthy vitamin D status, and I need to take that year-round. Well, all of a sudden, that is... Um, like more fish than I actually need protein in the day. Like if I only ate fish as my source of protein, that's still not providing me sufficient vitamin D for apparently I'm not a, I'm not a very great vitamin D synthesizer given that I need that much vitamin D to maintain my levels. So what would be helpful to know because we're talking about recommending working with a medical professional and making sure that you're not taking too much as well as too mm -hmm. little is, could you talk a little bit about why that's so important? Yeah, I think that's really important to emphasize. So while vitamin D deficiency is uh, rampant, um, it's not a question of just um, supplementing blindly. I think it's really important. So my doctor uh, re wants to retest my vitamin D every three months and has been doing that. I've been working with him for six years and we retest every three months. Um, basically every time I do a blood draw for any reason, vitamin D is, is added to it. And the reason is, is that when you're supplementing with vitamin D, you definitely don't want to overshoot the mark. So, um, let's, let's, before I get into like this, the bad things that could happen if you do, let's talk a little bit about like what the goal actually is. Uh, and this is where there is a pretty big disparity between conventional medicine and functional or integrative medicine. Um, and it's one of the things that can be very, very frustrating for a lot of people with the health insurance is that uh, deficiency and insufficiency don't mean the same thing. So deficient means like danger, <laughs> danger, uh, super bad things happening, uh, risk of rickets. And deficiency is considered under 30 nanograms per milliliter which is the, the standard units that are used in the USA for lab tests. And often health insurance won't pay for a vitamin D test unless you're deficient, which of course you don't know unless you've done a vitamin D test. This was one of the things that we were challenged with in my family was that we basically had to pay upfront for our first test. And then when we all came back deficient, um, our insurance kicked in and refunded us the money, but it was, it was a, 
it was a hoopla. Um, but having a vitamin D level of 32 nanograms per milliliter, while the lab range would say that's within the normal range, any functional medicine specialist, integrative medicine specialist, if you look at, um, it's even starting to permeate more into uh, the American Medical Association guidelines. Um, that is considered insufficient. So it's not low enough to necessarily have the dangers associated with deficiency, but it's not high enough to be promoting health. So you can still have uh, things like fatigue. Um, you can still have uh, mineral imbalances. You can still have inflammation. You can still have gut issues. You can still have um, you know, amorphous joint pain. Like a lot of things that sound on the surface like, ooh, I wonder if there's some autoimmune processes going on. A lot of that can be symptoms that are just driven by vitamin D insufficiency. So between 30 and 50 nanograms per milliliter is considered insufficient. Optimal range, um, and this is the functional medicine defined optimal range, which all of the, right, IFM, A4M, all of the different um, functional medicine training programs teach their practitioners. The optimal range is between 50 and 70 nanograms per milliliter. I personally try to keep mine in the middle of that range, around 60. There's some interesting research showing that between 70 and 100 nanograms per milliliter may have some therapeutic benefit in cancer and in heart disease. That is absolutely, uh, you know, if you wanted to shoot for those kinds of levels, that would be situation dependent and only ever under medical supervision because over about 100 nanograms per milliliter, that's considered too high. And now you can have problems of vitamin D toxicity or vitamin D excess. And that is something that's also really important to understand. There's nothing in the human body where more is better. Every single thing that's happening in the human body has uh, a U-shaped curve, which means that they're too little is a problem and too much is a problem. And there's this wonderful area in the middle, this happy medium where everything is awesome. And that's the case for every nutrient, every hormone, right? Like every chemical reaction that's happening in the body, you want it to be happening in the just right area. You, it's all like the Goldilocks zone. So too much vitamin D is actually associated with um, brittle bones. So you can actually, as opposed to your, your bones sort of uh, losing their strength and curving, you can have um, uh, bones that break really easily. So you're still actually impacting how the mineralization is occurring. So fracture is a risk of um, high vitamin D levels. It has um, some pretty wonky effects on your serum calcium levels. Um, and that can actually, so you can end up with basically too high calcium in your blood. That puts an incredible strain on your kidneys. So kidney damage, kidney failure is a side effect of too much vitamin D. Um, and there's a lot of GI symptoms that go with vitamin D toxicity. So um, nausea, vomiting, poor appetite, uh, abdominal pain, constipation or diarrhea, um, so all of those things can potentially um, go with vitamin D toxicity. And then um, I should have mentioned the other effect of elevated calcium is that can be a strain on the heart. So heart does not like calcium to be out of whack. Neither does the kidneys. They're, they're quite um, sensitive to electrolyte balances. 
So this is why retesting is really important. So if you determine that you are vitamin D deficient, um, there's a lot of things that go into that. So uh, let's say you, you test your vitamin D deficient uh, supplementation. So like what's considered a therapeutic range, some people will need as little as 500 IUs of, of vitamin D a day as a supplement, vitamin D3. Uh, other people might need 10,000 IUs a day. And a doctor can kind of look at your lifestyle, the other things going on uh, in your health, uh, your diet, um, how much time you spend outside and can give you some guidance, but you often don't really know what is going to be the ideal dose for you until you're taking a dose and you retest and see, was this enough to bring my vitamin D levels up? Was it too much? Did my vitamin D go too high? And one of the reasons why we want to retest every three months is vitamin D is a slow mover. So the um, vitamin D cycle in our body is about two-ish months. So it takes a while to build those levels back up, which also means it takes a while to build up too much. It takes a while for them to fall off. So we want to be making those changes. Um, I know that I, uh, my doctor tinkered with my vitamin D supplements for about a year. Um, cause the other thing is if you're a person who say engages in a lot more outdoor sports in the summer, which I think is, you know, a relatively typical phenomenon, you may or may not need as much vitamin D in the summer. So ideally what you would do is you would test every three months. So basically every season for a couple of years and figure out how much vitamin D you need to maintain that functional range of 50 to 70 nanograms per milliliter depending on the time of year. And then you can potentially um, pull back from testing once you get to a really stable point and you, um, this is becoming really predictable. I know that my doctor does not believe in pulling back from vitamin D testing and still tests me every three months, uh, even though my vitamin D levels have only you know, varied between you know, three points at, in any test over the last four years. But uh, this is why testing is so important because... Um, the functional range is relatively narrow. So that optimal range of 50 to 70 nanograms per milliliter, considering the lab range is 30 to 100, right? So the lab range, they would call 30 to 100 normal. Um, but 30 to 50 is actually insufficient and 70 to 100 is only appropriate in certain therapeutic situations. Um, so given that, that that ideal range is not that wide, it's totally doable to get in there and, and you know, tinker and figure that out. But given that lab range, given that too high can cause really bad problems, not getting to that functional range can cause problems. There's a lot of different factors that are going to influence how your body is responding to the supplement in terms of, is it enough to bring up your vitamin D levels or does it make your vitamin D levels soar? The, the only, the only like the only option that we have right now is to do relatively frequent testing and adjust. Um, and I think that, you know, taking a, you know, I'm going to eat more vitamin D rich foods. I'm going to change my life to spend more time outside. I think that's really awesome because there's obviously tons of benefits to those foods. There's tons of benefits to spending more time outside that go beyond just making vitamin D from the sun, right? Sunlight is also beneficial for circadian rhythm entrenchment. Uh, there's a mood boosting effect that is independent of vitamin D and hormone regulation that's not fully understood. 
there's all kinds of benefits to being outside. Um, but then I think the, the place to go is then continue to keep an eye on vitamin D levels and adjust vitamin D supplementation as you're working on the lifestyle things to, to basically try to find that, that happy medium where you have a lifestyle that's sustainable and you're keeping your vitamin D levels in range. I understand why you want me to take this test. I've been sufficiently smacked on the back of the hand. (laughs) So why don't we talk about our sponsor who Mm -hmm. is enabling this to happen for me (laughs) since I can do it in the comfort of my own home. And you don't need a giant needle. You just need a little, little prick of the finger. Yeah. Well, what Um, I actually, I chose to get the vitamin D and inflammation test, um, because I have mm-hmm. issues with inflammation. And as we've discussed, I can see now why that test works hand in hand. Um, but I think there's also just a vitamin D there's one. There's a straight vitamin D one as well. Yeah. yeah which, which is like the super affordable one that, you, that you've talked about as well. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, that addition of C-reactive protein is a very useful indicator as well. Um, I, um, I mean, I wanted to talk about vitamin D in general on the show for a while as I have incorporated more of this education into things like the AIP lecture series and into my workshop and and really trying to emphasize this as an exception to our just eat good food and, and make uh, smart lifestyle choices rules. Um, and Everly Well, of course, makes vitamin D testing very, very easy and um very affordable. I mean, unless you've got really awesome insurance, unless you have better insurance than what I have, um, I actually, it's cheaper for me to do a vitamin D test than it is to pay my copay, um, the, the vitamin D test from Everly Well. But so just to be specific today, mm-hmm. going to their website, just the vitamin D test is $79, but then you can also get 15% off with the paleo view as your code. So, yeah. um, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just think it's kind of nebulous for us to <laughs> say, what, say. But there's so many of them within that affordability range as well. Like we've talked about vitamin mm-hmm. D and, and anyway, I and I interrupted you. But like I said, when I went to the website, I was like, what? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I am super, super impressed with what Everly Well is doing. And I, I've had the... Um, uh, I've, I've had the good fortune of talking with their medical director about um, what they're doing for, you know, quality control and their model. And, you know, they're really about empowering uh, us to be able to have access to these tests. They um, are about making them affordable and accessible so that we can get actionable information. And they... Um, they and and make sure that our our data is private. So there are certainly situations where you would want the results of a test, and maybe you wouldn't want um, someone to know. Um, and so I think that you know Everly Well can fulfill that need. But I think that what I love about them too is the directions that I've watched them expand in the last year or so are super exciting for me. So as I watch some like introduce new tests, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I want to, like I, okay, I nerd out way too much. 
I nerd out way too much of her data. Um, I was going to say you could have just ended the sentence there. Nerd out way too much. Period. You and I were texting this weekend about me going to the ER. You were like, but this is so exciting. You, you get to have all these tests I, done. I'm like, no. I literally said, don't be nervous. Just think about how much I would be nerding, down, nerding out if I was in your situation. Uh, because I would be asking all kinds of, how does that machine work? What does that do? What does, what's that say? Um, yeah, I'm every doctor's favorite patient. Um, but I, uh, so yes, I, I, I'm really impressed with what Everly Well is doing in terms of making this type of information accessible and affordable. I also really like that, um, that it takes away that like white coat syndrome. It takes away that like drive to a lab, um, it makes things, I think, just much more accessible. Um, I, I'm naturally a very compliant person in, in the medical sense. So if uh, my doctor says, I want you to take this supplement at, at this time, this many times per day, I do it. And I never miss, I never miss a time. I never, I never, I never skip. Uh, that I'm like a 5% person, right? So 100% compliance is, is very, very unusual in the medical world. Um, and I know that doctors get frustrated by, uh, giving somebody a lab request for information that they want and that person never doing it. But the reason why they never do it is because it's time out of their day. Um, not all all of us have the time that we can, you know, take off of work to go to a lab that's only open certain hours and then wait for however long, because you don't have an appointment to get your test. Um, I know that, um, you know, depending on your insurance, whether or not you have a copay and coinsurance, that often these tests can be surprisingly expensive. Um, and then you also have the added barrier of sometimes doctors don't want to order these tests. And I think that Every Lowell's mission to really bring these tests in a very high quality way, direct the consumer to empower us with this data, I think is really exciting because I find like everything that they offer there's use in knowing that information. And, um, and obviously not everything's going to be relevant to every person, but as, as a person who is very data-driven in terms of my own choices, if I can see what my vitamin D level is doing, I'm going to make decisions that are, that are based on that. Or if I, you know, know, um, you know, they're, the results of the metabolism test or the thyroid test or the food sensitivity test, all of that information for me is actionable. And I think that I'm not unique in that regard. I think a lot of people find motivation in test results to make a harder choice. And a lot of the stuff we talk about on this podcast is best practices in terms of health, right? So best foods to eat, um, you know, how to get the best sleep and get enough sleep, how to manage stress, how to be active, right? It, it really boils down to day-to-day choices for health and sometimes we can find enough motivation based on how we feel, but I think it is human nature to find additional motivation in a number from a test to be able to go down that path and make the right choices. Not to mention the number of options that Everly Well offers in terms of home testing that can fall under that troubleshooting banner in terms of like really digging deeper and trying to um, find the 
underlying confounding factors that are holding our bodies back from responding to all of those good healthy choices. Sometimes there are things that we can't fix with diet and food and Everlywell offers like a huge variety of tests that would fall under that banner of trying to understand our stress responses, our circadian rhythms. They they really I I I'm super impressed with how innovative they are as a company but also their their mission and where their heart is is so so amazing and uh data nerd data nerd that's me i that just period yeah i like to nerd out data nerd comma that's me period I love listening to you nerd out and this has been a super geeky show. So thanks listeners for hanging in and hopefully you enjoy Sarah's nerding out <laughs> as much as I do. Um, Everyone's if, freaked out about their vitamin D status right now. It just happened. Totally. <laughs> okay. So if you're freaked out and you want to test your vitamin D status, just a reminder, everlywell.com. That's E-V-E-R-L-Y. W-E-L-L dot com slash The Paleo View, and you can get 15% off with code The Paleo View. Thanks to Everly Well for sponsoring the show and also providing tools to empower us with information and to be our best healthy selves with all kinds of nerdy data. Um, and thank you listeners for tuning in. We will be back again next week, although I do want to put it out there that my family is leaving in two weeks. <laughs> we are completely unprepared, uh, but looking forward to our cross-country road trip. So Sarah and I will be um, doing a little time warp probably in the next couple of weeks just to prepare and make sure that we're we're going to be okay to record on the road all weekend. I mean, uh, all summer long. So I'm sure that we have lots coming your way and appreciate you guys hanging in with me as I gallivant all over the world. Woo, gallivanting. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. Thanks for us empowering us with nerdy data. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.